We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 135. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. Dave, the Pittsburgh Steelers putting a bow on week one of their OTAs with some new additions that should be joining the team fully officially starting next week and one Marcus Golden. And so we'll talk about that here in a moment, but happy first final week of uh, OTAs wrapping up. Yeah, one set of uh, OTAs now down, two more to go, and then mandatory mini camp, and then a uh, a bit of a break there. Hey, do you do you eat at Chipotle? Do you like Chipotle? Chipotle? Yeah, Chipotle is I is that how you say it? I think so. I, I occasionally, but I don't go there too often. Oh, okay. I've, I've never Any been. Reason? No, I just I, I just saw a commercial. I'm watching. You never uh, been? No, nah, no, nah, that's not my kind of. Uh, I'm 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 a very picky eater. And, uh, you know, I, I don't eat a lot of onions and peppers. I like black pepper. I like a lot of black pepper, but as far as chopped peppers and, and stuff and, and like true Mexican type, type food, I'm not, you know, I like, uh, old El Paso taco kits. <laughs> oh, wow. Very <laughs> that's, old school. That, that's, that's my speed there. But, uh, I, I know a lot of people, I know that Chipotle's uh, pretty big, but, uh, I, I just wondered if you, uh, if that's on your eat list. Well, on the Steelers list right now is a, a heaping pile of Marcus Golden. And I probably said that really negatively, but I mean that in a good way, uh, obviously. And so he came in for a visit, uh, I think it was on Wednesday. And so shortly after our, our uh, podcast wrapped up, a little bit later in the day, Pittsburgh announcing they'd signed him to a one-year deal. Don't think we know the actual number on that one-year contract yet. But Marcus Golden, I won't say your newest Steeler because one came in right after him, but the most notable newest Steeler. Yeah, they finally uh, got them some depth at the outside linebacker position, right? Something kind of we've been, you know, we, you, the last several years we've been calling for. And then, you know, that one year they obviously had Melvin Ingram. Uh, and we were we were semi-excited, you know, excited about that, especially kind of after the preseason that he had. And we all know how that worked out, him, him, you know, essentially forcing his way out of Pittsburgh there. And, you know, since that happened, uh, and yeah, I, I, I get it. They went out and got Malik Reed last year and all, but we, you know, we kind of, we kind of anticipated how that one might turn out. And, you know, even late last season with them putting him, uh, based, you know, in active, those last couple of games told you, uh, what they thought about, uh, their own move when it came to that. And, you know, you've had Jameer, uh, Jones, you know, as, as a number four in there and who else, Derek Tuska and mm, Taco Charlton, uh, Taco Charlton. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think you and I both, and probably so, you know, a lot of our listeners as well too thought, man, it's sure. And yes, I get it that they drafted Nick Herbig and all like that. But, uh, uh, I, I think the, the overarching thought was, man, it would be nice for them to get some experience depth at outside linebacker, uh, on this team sooner rather than later. And they have done that now. Uh, and we talked a little bit about Marcus golden being scheduled to come in, uh, on the podcast the other day that, uh, you know, obviously happened, resulted in a one-year deal. We do not know the specifics of it yet. I'm willing to bet it's probably anywhere between, I don't know, if I had to guess, two and a half to $4 million. And I, I would be shocked if it's that high, but you know, they, they, they definitely have the cap space to afford it. But generally you see these one year deals for these kind of guys, you know, 4 million or under. So I would expect that. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a surprise. Maybe it's a veteran benefit contract. If, if it is kudos to Omar Khan, if he gets that done, but about the player, uh, you got a veteran edge rusher here and you got a guy that's played that can play on both sides. And, uh, I think the thing that jumps out about, uh, uh, off the tape when, when, when looking at him is his run defense, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's one, one of the prime. Now look, you go back a couple of years ago, he had what 11 sacks or something. Now I think, you know, I don't think all those were high quality sacks, but they were sacks nonetheless and uh, pretty good pressure rate, if I remember correctly, overall. And, you know, give me constant pressure and the rest of the stuff will come, especially when you look at, you know, the, the front that this team seems to be putting together for this season there. But I, uh, you know, I, I think the thing that really jumped out at me, especially is tape. His, his, his most recent tape being last year was his play against the run. And he's a thicker body kind of, kind of guy, obviously, uh, you know, you go back to his measurables coming out many, many moons ago and boy, we could tell some tor- some stories here. Cause you go, uh, I researched this as well too. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Keith Butler, and Joey Porter were all at that Missouri mm. Pro Day in in 2015. Because uh, we, I remember uh, going back and, and reading that uh, we were wondering were they were they there to see Shane Ray or were they there to see uh, Marcus Golden? And I think at that time some news came out that they had dinner with both those guys there, so they they knew they knew about him obviously uh, there. Then. Uh, uh, you fast forward to, you know, his, his, his pro is, is, is pre-draft measurables and all, and he didn't test all that well. And that's probably why he fell, you know, uh, what into the second round, I think not, not too terrible of, of, of a fall there. Uh, but not a super twitchy guy. And obviously from a measurable standpoint with the arms and all like that, now he does have big hands, uh, that helps kind of, you know, offset a little bit of those short arms and all. But, uh, once again, I think the thing that, that, that really jumped out at me on, on, on his tape from last season was his play against the run. And the other thing that jumped out at me was, uh, he, 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 he chases after the ball carrier, you know? So, so he's got very, very good effort chasing down backside, uh, runs or, or runs to his side. Uh, he doesn't give up on plays. Now he's not always able to catch those, um, those athletic, you know, quarterbacks and all like that, but he does, he does do a good job of chase. So I think, uh, and you know, he's a, he's a fairly accomplished pass rusher overall. I think he's got a great, uh, 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 good first move. And I think he's done a great job over the years of building some counters off of that, uh, as, as, as well. So you want a veteran experienced outside linebacker that can play against the run. Uh, they got the guy. 
a serving of Marcus Golden is what I should have said right. to start my conversation. What'd so you, I want to say a heap, a heaping, a whole pile of heaping Marcus yeah. Golden, which is such he, a terrible he's way a to big, He's him. a he's put he's a big together boy. now. He's, he's, he's had some Chipotle yeah. in his life, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? What what jumped off the tape uh, about him with, with with you? Yeah, I echo what you say. Um, I think the run defense, you had the stat and not that we're stats first, but we're certainly looking at that. What the eighth or ninth highest run stop? Uh, success rate or whatever the exact metric is this past season. And so what what I noticed about him was the hand use. And when you're a guy that doesn't have that, actually has really negative length, but 31 and an eighth or 31 and five eighth inch arms, to be successful in the NFL for he's going on what year 10, to be at that level to have almost 50 career sacks, 11 sacks two years ago, you better have good hand use. You better be able to stay clean and work off of blocks and you're not getting by just on long arms and that, you know, and innate physical tools and length that you have that um, maybe other guys don't because Golden does not have it. And so I, th- that's what I saw on tape was he's active, he's high energy, he stays clean. And as you said, he really runs hard after the football and that does create some of the sacks. It does create that run defense and both those things are important. So to get that veteran number three guy with who's proven, who's experienced, the only concern there is just making sure he knows his role. He's comfortable right. with his role being a number three, being a rotational guy. That guy's still going to play a fair amount. Melvin Ingram played a fair amount um, before he wanted out, but he just has to accept, I'm not going to start. And I think last year he was more of a rotational guy, only started, I believe, 15 or five games out of the 16 that he played in. And so that shouldn't be foreign to him. But as long as he's content with his role, then it should work out well. Now, look, is he a guy that you probably want starting 17 games and playing 900 snaps a season at this point of his career? Probably not. But uh, uh, and look, they you know, if, if they got the player that we think that they got here in Marcus Golden, they should make a con uh, a conscious effort to get what off the field for a couple plays, get Highsmith off the field for a couple plays. In other words, carve out kind of planned uh rotation as best as you can. Now look, you're gonna need a Mack truck to get TJ Watt off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh uh but you know it it would be for his own good, obviously, uh when it when it comes to that. And and in Marcus Golden's case, you, once again, you got a guy that's that's got experience uh playing on both sides and lining up either, you know, wide nine or or or, or on in uh that way. Uh I don't think you have to fear as much uh with, with you know uh we talked about his run defense, so he can be kind of an all situations uh type guy. You don't have to hide him or anything uh like that. And I you know I think you know, assuming you uh TJ Watt and both Alex Highsmith stay healthy, uh you know, he's he's probably gonna get a lot, you know, especially in 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 pass rush situations, he's probably gonna get uh, a lot of a lot of uh uh non-double teams, right? So he he you know that and that's when I think he really really would would shine for the Steelers is uh taking advantage of some one-on-one matchups out on the uh, the edge. Now, if you got in a situation where one, you, you lost one of your guys and, or lost Watt, and then, you know, they, the uh, opposing offenses could, could decide whether or not they want to, you know, double, you know, uh, who, who they want to pay more attention to at that point there. But, uh, I think as a rotational guy, uh, you could, he's, he's an, an, an all downs kind of guy, you know, and I think they need to make a conscious effort, whatever that looks like, to get Watt and Highsmith off the field for a couple snaps. 
I think I would disagree a bit on that point about needing to make a conscious effort to do that. I think that just comes naturally based on the flow of a game. When a guy's tired and gassed a bit, when you're on play seven or six of a drive, then those guys tend to come out because they're just, you know, sort of gassed. And so I think okay, those well, opportunities. That, 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 that could be your conscious effort then, you know, yeah. to, to on extended drives. You know, they sure. have just got to make sure that they don't gas, you know, uh, right. don't, don't burn all the fuel out on, 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 uh, Watt and Highsmith, you know? Right. I'm with you. And, and it will be easier to make that decision when you know, you have a guy like golden coming in, as opposed to Malik Reed last year, who eventually became inactive and you were trying to use a bit of Jameer Jones and more to Marvin Leal and those kinds of things. So you'll feel more comfortable doing that. Maybe subconsciously, you'll be more willing to take a TJ Watt or Watt himself will be more willing to come out for a play. Uh, from time to time, it's just we, we've talked about this the entire offseason, Dave, where you got to be three deep at outside linebacker. You can't mm-hmm. be just two deep, I think, just in principle for in-game in-game rotation, but also the injury. And then, of course, we've seen Highsmith battle stuff. T.J. Watt has battled a ton of stuff the last two years, most notably the torn peck or partially torn peck that kept him out from week two until after the bye week. And so, you know, not to say that if Watt goes down, Colin's going to replicate that production. Obviously, he won't. But. You're not going to be your defense is not going to wilt the way that it wilted last year when Watt went down. And so that's the real critical thing is you better have some good rotational depth. And I was still uneasy with Herbig and Roche, whatever else there might be, you know, before the golden signing. So to get a veteran like this, that has been out there on NFL fields, has proven it, has been consistent, has been productive. That gives me a bit more comfort going to sleep each night. Yeah, those should be, you know, if all of them stay healthy, those should be three guys, you know, uh, yeah. uh, plain and simple. And Golden's a guy that, once again, you know, uh, you know, depending on situation and 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 all like that, he could be a three, four, five, six, you know, sack guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, he could be, you know, uh, the pressure rates, you know. Uh, I don't think you lose, I mean, obviously he's not going to start, you know, unless there, there's an injury, but uh, I don't think there's a huge drop-off overall with what he could potentially, potentially provide you, uh, in, 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 in pressure, especially when you consider, you know, some snaps, he'll probably be on the field opposite, uh, Watt. And of course, Watt's going to get some attention and once again, set up some, you know, probably some tasty one-on-one, uh, matchups and all like that as well, too. So he's an experienced guy. This it obviously isn't his first trip around the block. As you mentioned, he should be pretty, uh, in tune with how, 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 uh, some sort of a, uh, rotational role is going to work with him. And, uh, I don't think he's a guy that, uh, uh, screams when he comes into the game, let's run at him. Sure. Now, I, I don't want to be hypocritical. The length, this sucks. I mean, his length right. is, I think it's even worse than Herbig. And so I don't want to, you know, ignore that completely. But this is a guy that's proven he can win in the NFL despite that length. He's one of those outlier types. And so, you know, and he's also a bigger guy than Herbig. He's stockier. The dude's like 260. Herbig is, you know, 240. And he probably put on some weight to get to that number in the pre-draft process. So the length will still be an issue to some degree in the run game. But obviously, he's hung in the league long enough where it, you, you're not projecting that you're seeing it on tape and you're seeing him overcome that over long stretches of time. And plus just the experience to know, uh, and he, he's seen it before he knows how to properly set the edge and get stuff. Uh, you know, part of good run defense is making sure you're in the right spot, not trying to right. do too, too much. Right. Uh, exactly. you might not make the play, but what you did might, might, uh, create, 
uh, an opportunity for someone else to make the play. So just knowing, you know, just seeing it and being in it all these years, uh, he knows how already to read certain things and, 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 you know, knows when to, uh, you know, how to set that edge and make sure things don't get on the outside of him uh, and get things turned inside. So that way, if he doesn't make the play, uh, he's done his job. And if everybody else has done their job, there should be someone there to clean it up. 100%. I do want to correct one thing. Two years ago, he was more the rotational guy. Five starts in 2021 and 16 games played. Last year, he actually started 14 of the 17 games he played in. He played almost 800 snaps a year ago. So barring an injury, he's going to have to be content with playing closer to a third of the snaps, we'll say. And so that's going to be an adjustment for him that didn't go over well with Melvin Ingram. It's going to have to go better with Marcus Golden. Hopefully those terms were spelled out clearer to him. So there's no potential repeat of this thing happening midseason where a guy is unhappy with his role and he wants out. Well, here's the thing, too. Uh, 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 And now, you know, the rest of the story. Uh, (laughs) You love that phrase. (laughs) Paul Harvey. Good day. Uh, He has a link to Denzel Martin. Uh, those, uh, the Steelers outside linebackers coach, uh, those two go all the way back to the time in, in, uh, when they, you know, at, at Missouri there. So, uh, hopefully there was some good communication ahead of this. And, uh, you know, if, if Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan and company didn't spell it out, uh, hopefully Denzel look, uh, at this point with, with all this talk and, and, and the season that Highsmith's coming off of and talk about an extension, uh, golden golden's got to know that he's sure. not, not the starter. I, uh, and some guy named Watts over there on the other <laughs> side, uh, as, as well too. So, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak in absolutes here, but you would think that this will go a lot better than it did with Melvin Ingram as far as roles go. Sure, it should be okay for two reasons. One, I think Ingram was the better player than Marcus Golden. I think they're comparable, but I think Ingram was better. And and more importantly, Highsmith didn't have the breakout season he's coming off of right now when the whole Ingram stuff happened back in 2021. Highsmith was still trying to come into his own and find his role. There was more of an argument of, should it be Ingram or should it be Highsmith now with Highsmith coming off a 14 and a half seat, a sack season, probably going to get paid, you know, uh, mega bucks here in a couple of weeks. I think uh, Gold will be more understanding of that situation. But I just want to put that disclaimer out there because it, it, even if you know that intellectually, just being able to stomach that as a guy that's been a starter and played a lot of snaps in his career, adjusting that role, it is going to be a mental adjustment. You kind of have to talk yourself into this is for the good of the team. And this is, you know, I have a role to play in accepting that, but I, I assume it'll be okay. I just want to mention that because we've been down this road before. And at Gold's age, just this is the best thing for him. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll be a better player. I think in a rotational role, you know? Sure. I mean, he's what 32. And so you can't always play a thousand snaps a season at his age. And I want to go back to what you said, a great pull by you. I'm kicking myself because I've, I've told the story before, and this is about Denzel Martin, who's now the official outside linebackers coach. So it'll be the guy coaching golden. Uh, not only did Mike Tomlin and Porter and company go see Shane Ray and Marcus school in the 2015, they found Denzel Martin. And the story about how those two connected was because Martin was at Missouri and impressed Mike Tomlin so much that, He brought him into Pittsburgh, I believe, initially as a scouting intern, and he's worked his way up the ladder, a coaching intern, and now he's the outside linebackers coach. And the story between Martin and Golden was, I mean, they they lived together, I believe. I mean, they were like super close through their circumstances. They really helped each other out a ton. So 
it's a really interesting connection there to see those guys reunited all those years later is pretty special. Yeah. And uh, Marcus Golden, even after he signed, put up a nice little message, you know, glad, glad to be some, something to the effect of, you know, glad to be uh, reunited with, you know, Denzel Martin and all like that. So uh, uh, obviously a familiar face. And now, you know, the rest of the story. You do. Let me ask you a question. I got this one. It's a good question and none of us know the answer to it, but Bud Dupree got offered a two-year deal, correct? That's why he went to Atlanta for one year. What was that? That was the story there that Pittsburgh offered him two and he went, he wanted a one year deal instead of locking himself down for two. So he, he goes to Atlanta for a one year deal. Of course, now Pittsburgh is giving Golden a one year deal. You do kind of wonder what the difference there is. Maybe Pittsburgh was a bit more desperate or maybe Golden just drove a harder bargain. I'm not quite sure, but I believe that's the, uh, the way this thing has gone. One year, uh, $2.82 million for, uh, for Bud Dupree. Uh, right. And reportedly Pittsburgh was offered him a contract, but it was a multi-year deal. Look, maybe this thing, you know, maybe this thing will come in, uh, <laughs> less than 2.82. And if they do, well, you want to talk about a real bargain. Uh, right. when, but I'm saying like comes- the years, why did, why would they offer Bud two and golden the one? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great question. Uh, let's see the con the, the total well the co- the the total contract value with uh, with uh, Bud Dupree is three million. So there's some per game roster bonuses in there. Uh, so he and and the guaranteed money on that deal it was uh, two point two point four nine million is the guaranteed amount. And then he can earn another five point one or five five hundred ten thousand in uh, in per game roster bonuses there. So maybe the guarantee was a little bit of a sticking point. I don't know, but could it uh, have been where they because now they have more actual cap space after Witherspoon got released and Trubisky got extended. At the time, they weren't one hundred percent sure if those things were happening. Maybe the fact they have some more cap space now makes them feel more comfortable doing a one year deal. Possibly, but as we like to say all the time, you can get things done. How you know? Sure. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Maybe that's a that's a great point. Maybe that's a sign that this number will come in under uh, under three million. You know, right? Or maybe Pittsburgh said, you know what, we're kind of we kind of backed ourselves in a corner a little bit here, and we got to get we got to get some veteran in, and he wants one year, and we can make it work. So let's not try to fight this thing too much and do what's best for the team. But- or you know what you know maybe golden was high on the list uh he was golden was released right around the start of the new league year uh if if memory serves me so maybe he was on their list but he was more of a yeah hold on you know let's let 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 me wait this out a little bit here and the Steelers probably said okay well we can't promise you anything we're 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 talking to other people here you know uh Mm -hmm. and then obviously you get pat get get past rookie minicamp and you start getting into OTAs and, and and when people don't have jobs at that point they're probably returning a lot of phone calls uh at that point so so i and we'll, we'll never know right you know but right. but maybe this was a situation because look i mean you you other than bud dupree you want to talk about guys with links to the steelers <laughs> uh Golden's next on that list, right? So may, maybe there was interest way back when he got released, but maybe Golden thought, you know what, may, you know, may, 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 maybe there'll be something that opens up a little bit better than what the Steelers are offering me, and and I'll see, you know. So, 
we, we just don't know the timeline, how long maybe they initially contacted him. No, I understand that. But even if they had thrown out the one-year deal back in March, why offer Golden 1 and Dupree 2 and not ostensibly not offer a Dupree a one-year deal that he wanted where he yeah. goes to Atlanta instead? I mean, again, we'll never know. But we'll never know. Point is, though, you know, you have a room of Watt, Highsmith, your starters, Golden number three, and we'll assume Herbig is stays and is considered an edge guy for now as the number four, really, hopefully, quality and core special teamer. That room looks pretty good to me, Dave. Yeah, it it, it does, and it's it's it's. When's the last time it's looked this good? Uh, probably Since Highsmith's rookie year when they had him, Dupree, right. and, and Watt as your top three. And number who I don't even know who number four was that year, but it's strong. Yeah, uh, and it's you know some look uh, kudos to them for for addressing it, you know, and and you know f- with a player higher caliber than a Malik Reed, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're fine. You know, keep, keep, keep those top three healthy and they should be in pretty decent shape, I think overall. And then, like you said, Herbig, I mean, they, you know, you always like the bottom end of your, uh, inside and outside linebacker depth chart to be able to play special teams. So you can, you can bring, assuming you want to at least see what Herbig might have, uh, as an edge guy, you can bring him along very, very, very slowly now and just let him cut his teeth as an active player on special teams. Right. And you also have Quincy Roche and David Perales to, for those guys to compete for maybe a number five spot or practice squad, but just young guys and Herbig, Roche, Perales to really, you know, make each other better and push each other. So happy with that um, situation overall. Dave, let's play my favorite game of the offseason. Where in the world is DeMarvin Leal? What does this mean for Leal? Where does he go? It felt like maybe he was working a bit with the edge guys to start OTAs, then Golden gets signed. Maybe he's with a defense alignment now. Maybe he's doing both. I, I can't say for sure, but what do, you, what do you think the impact of the Golden signing is on DeMarvin Leal? Get to the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> Some 3M smoothies I think he's going to be digesting. Uh, who was it? Uh, Kenny Pickett the other day talking about uh, all the things that he had to do to uh, mm-hmm. to, to kind of keep weight on and, and, and get those smooth sages. I don't care what you put in there. Just load them up. You know, uh, I would see how much how much I could pack on him, man, at, at this point. I mean, it's hard to imagine now. I mean, if he he's got it, you would think that. He, he's more situationally still in the situational uh, category is just what degree to what side, you know, uh, what, what position group. I mean, uh, you got golden now, so there's no reason if you had to take uh, 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 Watt or, or, or Highsmith on the field now, there's no reason to put Leal on, uh, you'd put golden on. So uh, at that point, I would like to think that maybe, Maybe we're we're looking at sub package uh uh rusher up front with your hand in I, the dirt. I guess the my question is whenever he plays in base defense and the team's base three four, does he have his hand up or his hand down? I would think hand down now at this point. That's where I'm leaning too, but obviously I want to get into camp. I, I just wonder if that's the best thing for him. I know that was their initial plan when they drafted him was to bulk him up. That's how they used him last summer, but does he have the anchor to really sit? And I know that you're not two gapping as much, but you know, still point of attack type stuff. 
I don't know if that's ever going to be a strength of his game. So that's still my concern with him. But obviously when you bring in Golden and you have Herbig and some other edge guys and your you know, D-line depth isn't the best in the world, it, logically it makes sense to go back to your plan A, your initial plan, and bulk this guy back up. Well, uh, wasn't he talk, didn't somebody talk to him at the – at the start of OTAs just briefly, or I know there hadn't been a lot written about him, uh, since Mm -hmm. then, but, uh, that'd be one. My first question, if I got around him would be how much do you weigh now? Right. I've been asking that all, all off season. I've gone back and forth because we really weren't sure how these rooms were, were, were shaping up. Yeah. And, and, you know, you go back to, uh, go back to the combine and Omar Khan saying, well, you know, we, we, you know, he wouldn't really say, we just want, we like that first to tell he wouldn't lean either way there. Of course, you still had a lot of moves to go at that point there, but, uh, uh, I would think the way that you get him on the field, if any, based on the way this roster sits right this moment would be as a sub package rusher. I think so too. I think, and and again, had you used him as that kind of hybrid player, you used him last year, he was being used as that sub package rusher and and standing up on early downs. And so he was doing both. So my contention of kind of keeping him in his role last year were not to make him a full-time edge guy. It would be a part-time edge guy. And then, you know, slide inside and nickel and dime packages on third down, obvious pass situations, but We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep watching for it. And certainly once I get out of the training camp, that's like the first thing my eyes are going to is finding where number 98's at. I, I would venture to say something at this point has gone horribly wrong if he has to take a snap outside the tackle. And let me ask you this. Let's say, God forbid, you lose Highsmith or Watt for six weeks or eight oh, weeks. God. Now you have Golden and we'll just say... I'm not going to put the jinx on either one of those guys individually. So one of Watt, Highsmith, and Golden, who's your number three at that point? Yeah, I guess we're going to have to watch and see what happens with her big here, right? You yeah. Know? So in theory, if you kept Leal as that edge guy, you know, you kick him back outside. If somebody goes down, I know that's uh, you're planning and waiting for an injury to happen that you hope doesn't, but just something to think about. We got another Ziggy Hood situation on our hands with just a little bit lesser weight. <laughs> Oh, that one hit me in the gut. God, that would hurt, Dave. I think you're right about that because, you know, Ziggy wasn't didn't have that dilemma, but he was kind of that awkward fit where schematically he didn't fit. The, I mean, the Missouri guy himself, speaking of Missouri so much in this episode. So, yeah. I mean, I a, mean uh, Ziggy Hood, when he came out, he should have been a three-tech, right? Um, you know, yeah, he was or, a four-three, three-tech, you know, yeah. Uh, he, 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 you know, that, that should have been him, you know? Uh, he didn't, and at the time he didn't. He really didn't fit what the, what the uh, what the Steelers did then. You know, and- I, I've just gone back to Sean Davis. Is he Sean Davis in the sense of you move with, move this guy around so much, he never gets to hone his craft anywhere? So that's my concern. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I look, I think Leal, you know, if if he puts puts a little bit weight up, weight on, doesn't lose any speed, he could probably be an effective sub package rusher. You know, hand in the dirt. Yeah, I think I, I think he could be. That's not my issue. Can he stop the run? If he right. can't stop the run as a defense lineman in Pittsburgh, it's hard to play right. in Pittsburgh. Right. So that yeah, he'd have to yeah, most definitely. It's, it's all the things we said. He had to get. He's either going to have to lose weight and and become edgier, or uh, he's going to have to uh, bulk up and 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 be able to drop anchor there in the middle. Yeah, I don't mean to belabor the point. I know I've mentioned it so much, and it's not like it's going to make or break Pittsburgh season. But I just hope whatever they decide there's a plan that's clear so this guy knows what he's doing what to work on what his weight to be at like you know 
the playbook in terms of what he's you know looking at most closely. They just have to give this guy a clear plan, whatever it is. The, the worst thing you can do is not chart this course for this guy, regardless of whether it's D-line or edge or some combination thereof. You can't tell this guy, this is how we plan to use you. How do you expect this guy to get better? Right, right. I, I, w- I would agree. Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love. All right, Dave. Speaking of defense alignment, one was back in Pittsburgh today on the practice field. That was Larry Ogunjobi, who appeared to have not been out there with his teammates for the Tuesday and Wednesday practice. Don't know why. I assume it was, you know, personal or something minor, obviously. So Ogunjobi back. TJ Watt returned for Wednesday and Thursday practice. And so, again, I think attendance was pretty strong overall this first week of OTAs. Yeah, I, I do as well, too. And, uh, you know, if you look at Larry Ogunjobi's uh, Instagram feed, uh, he bought his parents a house uh, here recently. I, I I don't know how, how recent. Maybe, maybe that was the mm. reason he and we, look, we don't even know he, he wasn't there specifically. He might he might have been inside getting treatment or whatnot. But right. uh, uh, regardless, uh, he's back at it. T.J. Watts back at it. Uh, I think there was a report or two that. Uh, uh, Armand Watts maybe wasn't on the field for that first practice, but I spotted him uh, in in a video that the Steelers released. So okay. he he's out there. Uh, was there now? Obviously, you got some guys kind of slowed right now, Allen Robinson and Holcomb. But even the video that they showed from uh, from Holcomb from from today showed him moving around pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. he looked explosive. Uh, yeah, he yeah. Looked good. Uh, there. So, I mean, I, I, I think coming out of this week, uh, for the, for the most part, uh, you know, it seems like most everybody, if not everybody is there. And for the most part, you know, probably 99.5% healthy. One other player that got signed here, he's now number 89 on this roster is wide receiver Cody Crest. He was signed a rookie from Sam Houston state. He was in Indianapolis, uh, initially signed there as UDFA got cut. And is now in Pittsburgh, a speedster who ran a four three nine forty or four three eight something right around there. Really good testing numbers overall. A fair amount of production. We'll have a, a player profile film room on him over the weekend. So that is number eighty nine on this roster. A little curious to add a wide receiver with that room seemingly pretty deep, but I don't know exactly the whole mechanisms of slot versus outside versus maybe somebody beat up right now. But that is the latest signing. Yeah, uh, Sparky, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. you look you look at his R, you look at his RAS number, and you say, uh huh, yeah, he he was easy to uh, uh, to link to him. I haven't watched; I've, I just watched a few clips of him as all, but it looks like he can get down the field uh, a little bit. Uh, play, you know, obviously, what was he? Harvard and then Sam Houston, right? Yeah, so there's they've signed two uh, Sam Houston State guys that transferred into the college because the outside linebacker, Toby Nduke, he was SMU to Sam Houston. Now this guy, Crest, is Harvard to uh, Sam Houston State. And I think Crest originally was with uh, the Colts, right? Undrafted free yes. agent, and he, he didn't last there too too very long at all, obviously. Uh, was waived, so uh, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how long he sticks or whatnot. 
All right, Dave, what else is going on at OTAs? It's been a little bit quieter uh, end of the week as it was compared to the start in our conversation on uh, Wednesday. Alan Robinson speaking about kind of his mentor role and said nice things about Kenny Pickett. Uh, TJ Watt, not a whole lot to say there. Anything you've heard from OTAs that caught your attention? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, 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 the, the key here generally I, after you get through this first week is just just the overall excitement, right? Uh, I don't think, you know, obviously we're, we're not privileged to watching what actually went on. And even if, uh, let me ask you this, what do you think would, if let's play a new game, what if Alex were there? Okay. Uh, what if Alex were at OTAs, what do you think uh, would mo- most likely be a, a big takeaway from you? from your eyes of anything that I'd be watching. Anything what would that I you'd take be watching. Yeah. What, well, what, first, what, what name a couple of things that, yeah. that would, that you would deem as being big takeaways from the OTAs. <laughs> that's a, that's a big question. Well, first of all, I'd be looking up the whole time at players I'd be talking to. So let me kind of get myself in that mode. They are feeling even shorter than usual. I mean, I mentioned before, I think especially this, this first week of OTAs, it's kind of just getting uh, your footing of, okay, where are some of the new guys lining up at? How much is Allen Robinson's slot versus outside? Uh, I think Patrick Peterson made the reference that he's left corner and Levi Wallace is bumped over to right corner to replace Cam Sutton. For now, things will change. Obviously, it's just, you know, it's still early in this process. Connor Hayward seems to be running with tight ends more than running backs in that position group. Uh, still, in terms of any sort of valuation, I'm always kind of, you know, hesitant for that, but I, I'd want to see Kenny Pickett kind of see, you know, I could feel that jump initially from seeing him as a rookie to now that this, this is his team, he has ownership of the situation. So to see that, to see how Broderick Jones is adjusting to some of the Pat Meyer principles, I'd really want to pay attention to that. And some of the secondary pieces where guys are lining up, you know, Chandon Sullivan's getting some first team nickel reps. Are they doing anything different with Peterson? Are you seeing any sort of, you know, what, what Casey's role is going to be as he sub package, as he base? I, I'm just trying to, check some of those boxes yeah and uh wasn't it uh was it casey that said i'm not really sure what what you know how, how i'm going to mm-hmm. be used so they're probably still trying to figure a lot of that out at this point still sure it's not sorted at all and, and that does give me a bit of pause here because pittsburgh the last two years had had really good continuity in the secondary you've lost quite a bit of that with Edmonds being gone with sutton being gone with Millette being gone you got some new pieces and some new faces in there and so there i do have a concern you might get some of those coverage busts early in the year as kind of this you know younger newer group tries to to gel together kind of the way the offensive line had their issues last year the whole offense had their issues last year so that gives me a bit of pause here. There's talent, but just trying to come together and be coordinated with some of the changes, the turnover, there could be some struggles early on. Yeah. When is the last time? Uh, and and that's that's a good point, too, because, I mean, uh, uh, technically, there, there, there really is going to be a lot of changes, uh, both with some starters, obviously, and with some rotational guys uh, in there as well, too. I mean, you, when is the last time we've seen kind of, I don't want to say upheaval, but uh, this much, uh, you know, change basically when it when it comes to uh, twenty five guys on a defensive side of football. Yeah, I mean, I think from a, a defensive standpoint and overall roster construction standpoint, you've seen a ton of change. It's been a long time for that. For the secondary, I mean, you had what after twenty twenty, you lost Mike Hilton, you released Steven Nelson, you had change there. 
and I'm trying to think back to how they plug some of those things. Again, the slot issue was a, a big issue early on. They made a lot of mistakes and eventually they just kind of put Cam Sutton there and it worked out well enough. Not an option this time around, but I just think about your hubs of communication, your slot corner, your inside linebacker room is entirely different. Your safety group is looking a bit different with Neil coming in to replace Edmonds. Got a lot of guys that are in charge of communication and adjusting and those type, types of things that are new people and new voices. And so I'm kind of worried about that stuff because in, in some of those critical middle positions, strong safety, inside backer, slot corner, you're going to have some pretty brand new people there. Right. I mean, I, I don't, you know, every year, you know, people say, oh, you know, the three days, three first three OTA practice. Oh, this team's going to be great. You know, I, I don't know how you can draw hard. Even if you're there, I don't know how you can draw hard conclusions other than saying, man, thank God, you know, thank God they're, they're healthy. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, there's reason to be excited, and we both agree upon that. Sure. This roster looks you should better, be. I mean, and that that's part of the, that's part of the fan aspect, right? Because sure. you should be excited. You should be excited about what you don't know. I think at this point. Yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss a little bit, and I think it's hope springs eternal. In May, everybody's undefeated, as Mike Tomlin joked in the Pat McAfee show last week. And so everybody feels good about their situation before. It's the old Mike Tyson line of everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth until you're out there week one and you got to you know play from behind. You take a week one loss and the sky's falling. So um, it, it's just kind of the general feel of things right now. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's feeling good about their, their draft class. And so uh, we'll see how long those good times roll as you get into September, October, et cetera. I think one of the things you would kind of look for at this time, you know, uh, in these early practices and moving on into the, the rest of the OTAs is, is, you know, not wasting snaps, right? Mental errors and, you know, the, 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 the quicker on both sides of the ball, the more valuable time, you know, the bad snaps, the false starts, because, you know, they only have a limited amount of time out there, right? They've got X amount that they want to try to get accomplished during each practice for the 10 OTA sessions and, and for the mandatory mini camp and all like that. So I, I think a positive takeaway, if we were to hear it, uh, come out of these 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 first three weeks would be, man, they got a lot done because there just wasn't a lot of you know, stoppage for for whatever reason. You know, there wasn't there wasn't that much of uh, uh, having to pull aside and correct MAs mm -hmm. or MEs, right? Mental errors, uh, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. So I I think that would be a big takeaway coming out of out of out of these three weeks by by even if you're there watching it in person would be man they got a lot lot done you know and they looked like they were pretty confident getting that that work done and kenny pickett seemed to say as much where i think the defense might have some of those growing pains with their new pieces while the offense on, on pittsburgh side has a couple new faces it's generally the same core in place in terms of we know kenny pickett's the quarterback your skill guys are the same yeah, there's some changes up front of the offensive line, but Mason Cole year two in Pittsburgh, James Daniels year two in Pittsburgh. Um, and I think Pickett even said, you know, our installs are, you know, we, we had one or two last year. Now we have five or six in this first week. And so I think that's going to further this offense along considerably, whereas last year they're just trying to figure out, okay, who's our quarterback? You know, Pat Meyer trying to teach these guys. It probably was a mess last year in OTAs, to be honest with you. Probably looked like a train wreck. So I bet you it looks 10 times better this year. Yeah, and even though you got obviously a couple of new pieces in there, you got you know uh, uh, those, those veteran free agents, especially on the line and all like that. And you know, Sayamala had some nice things to say about Mason Cole, not only you know, uh, uh, you know, being a smart guy and being able to communicate that, and you know, a, 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 
a lot of communications got to go right on both sides of the football uh, this year. And, and, uh, but Kenny, to hear him talk and the amount of install stuff that they've gotten in and versus last year, uh, he, he seems really, really comfortable. Once again, you know, everything that Kenny has said, you know, this entire off season. And then you go back to obviously him being able to get the guys together a couple of times. And, and, you know, there's, there's not a thing not to like about everything that he's had to say uh, throughout the off season here. And one guy I want to shout out is Mason Cole at center and Isaac say Malu talked about him, I think a little bit today. And, you know, he likes what he's done and, and say Malu is going to be a good judge, a good centers because he's playing next to one for a long time in Jason Kelsey. And I know this is a very small anecdotal evidence, but did you watch that episode of the standard that Pittsburgh yes. dropped Thursday night? It felt like in every scene, Mason Cole was there. Like when Jason <laughs> Morgan showed up, Mason Cole was there. When Broderick Jones got to Pittsburgh, Mason Cole was there. I don't know if that's planned or if that's just he happened to be there on those certain days or what. But every time that I saw somebody walk in that building in that video, I saw Mason Cole there say uh, there to say hello. That little boy of his looks just like him too. That <laughs> yeah. that is that is Mason Cole's kid. Uh, with 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 without a doubt, there. Go ahead and write. Go ahead and write his name down in one of those notebooks of yours there for for a few years from now. But uh, yeah, look, uh, you know everything they've done, especially on you know uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, uh, screams that they they they. They've got to be a more productive offense this year. You obviously think that they're going to be able to or want to be able to play that bully ball. And then uh, so much so that it'll set up situations for, for, for Kenny to be able to push the football down the field and him be able to see and know when to take those shots, you know, and and hopefully we see a lot less you know, uh, too high type situations because the run is so good and that the offense can start dictating more, uh, of what they want to do instead of, uh, reacting to what the defense does. Right. And Kenny Pickett made a reference to, you know, I, I'm going to try to look to attack a bit more this year, just because if I'm getting the right look pre-snap, I feel more confident in what I'm seeing, what I'm getting and, and to be able to execute. So there's, an, there's encouraging signs there. One last thought. You know, say, say, yeah. say Amalo, too. It's an interesting thing. Uh, uh, he saw it, too, and, and evidently the Eagles stayed pretty healthy on that offensive line last year, too. And he knows, and he made a reference to it, he knows all the guys with the Steelers were, were pretty much uh, healthy all season, and he made a reference to the Eagles, too. But he said, look, that, you know, in so many words, he says that that that's a rarity. Mm-hmm. So, and that, you know, you're going to need, you know, seven, eight, guys uh to you know, to be next man up uh because just the odds are are are, are against you sure i mean pittsburgh had all the, the same five guys start all 17 games last year that's not going to happen again in 2023 if it does i will happily be wrong about that but i don't think i will be um one other quick thing Boy, how, how bad would have things had been last year had they had lost a couple of guys for a couple of games yeah, I try not to think about if Jesse Davis or Trent Scott were playing too much because it would have been even more problems for the Steelers offensive line, which certainly got better. And they benefited because, you know, they, they were able to you know be the same group intact and they grew together. I do uh, want to mention, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted to mention a, a really good point that I thought Josh Carney made on, on his recent terrible take. And I know these situations are a bit different, but, you know, obviously Kevin Dotson has lost his left guard job. Dan Moore Jr. certainly threatening to lose his left tackle job to Broderick Jones to compare their, their, the responses between the two were Dotson, you know, seemed to take it on the chin, but seemed to be, yeah, whatever. If, if I'm done here, then I'm done here. Very much kind of 
you know, kind of checking out in, in terms of the answer that he gave. I don't want to say it's reflective of his work, but in terms of the way he presented it and framed it versus broad versus uh, Dan Moore Jr., who was like, you know, I'll do whatever this team says. I'm going to come in here and work. We're going to try to win this job. Just a different mindset. And I understand it's a bit different because Moore is still right now the starting left tackle and Dotson is now the second team left guard. So it's probably different whenever you actually are running second team versus the potential running second team. But I'm just seeing the mindset difference between Dotson and more the attitude difference. And that, that probably goes a long way. And so that's why another reason why I sit there and say that, yes, I think Broderick Jones is the favorite to be the starting left tackle week one against San Francisco. But I think Moore is going to give him one heck of a fight because, you know, he's more comfortable in the system. He's obviously a, a veteran player at this point, And he brings a really good attitude to, I'm going to still do whatever I can to, you know, compete and try to, you know, keep my, my starting left tackle job. Right. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, Dotson's response the other day there. And uh, I mean, I, I, I get being up front and, and and all like that and saying what's on your mind. But there, there's some there's sometimes I think, especially when when you're still playing and you're in a situation as, as a guy like Dotson is right. Just give the cliche. I'm just here to do my work and help the team and uh, be the best player I can be. And uh, I don't, you know, it doesn't look good in a newspaper article. Right. But I mean, uh, to me, that's the, that way there's nobody can really twist it, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I can appreciate Dotson's honesty, but just from the mindset, it felt like, you know, more still battling and Dotson's kind of just accepting his fate. And again, Dotson's not going to be starting this year more could. And so I understand kind of the reality of it, but uh, I guess more to the point of I just appreciate it. I think Moore's a really hard worker and a really mature guy that's, you know, got thrown in the fire, rookie, you know, left tackle starter. Um, I think he's kind of, you know, progressed and, and really got better the second half of last year. So just to say it's going to be fun to watch Moore and, and Jones battle this thing out because they're two, I think, guys that are pretty similar in terms of they're humble, they're hard worker, they put their head down, they get better. They're not really focused on, you know, this is my competition and I must defeat him. It's let, let's get better and let's just, you know, be the best person possible. Look, when Dotson, you know, when they, when they drafted Dotson, you go back and you watch those 50 something games at Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, there was a lot to get excited about on that tape. Did they do him a disservice by, you know, the whole right guard to left guard kind of thing? Because didn't he play? I mean, it was, it was every snap that he played in college at right guard. Mm-hmm. It was, but. I mean, he eventually settled in some, the left guard. Look, his, some, his rookie some, tape, he was better at left guard than he was at right guard his first year. Okay. I well, I mean, there were. I, I think it was a game against the Eagles that he looked pretty decent when he when he came into that game, I thought. But was it the Eagles in his I mean, I he played the Colts and had a good game against – it was at the left guard, I believe, where he had, a, I think, a pretty good performance. Yeah, but there wasn't there a game that he had to come in at right guard early yeah. on in, in his yeah. rookie season. He played both. He, he played both his rookie. Right. Uh, but uh, – and look, you know, there are some guys that can – that, that can play in college and play, you know, one position or one side their entire time. And, 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 and they get to the NFL and they, uh, they handle side switches, you know, seemingly fine, you know, but then you go, but y'all, I'll, I'll always remember the story flows. Adams told years ago when, when he came over to the Steelers after being, really a left tackle and, and talking about the muscle. We've got that on the site somewhere. If somebody mm-hmm. wants to search, search that out, uh, there's some of the quotes and how, uh, and obviously he was, you know, he had done it so long at that time, at, at, at that point, you know, it was a muscle memory thing and all like that. So, you know, may, is it, 
a quite a good question for like a three or four year guy, offensive lineman, a guard or a tackle, that's that's had to play on both sides. I wonder what their mindset would be uh, versus an older guy when it comes to well, you know I played left tackle my entire career and and. Uh, year 12 I'm having to make make the switch to to right tackle and boy is it a is it a you know what Ver- mm-hmm. you, you know what uh, sure you know uh, you know you see where I'm getting at there uh, I wonder if you talk to a guy three or four years in and say ah piece of cake you know uh and 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 maybe dots is one of those kind of guys that that you know a little bit of struggling with getting over to that other side yeah, I don't want to be flipping and say, because some people say, oh, it's just the other side. It's guard versus guard. It's the same. It's not. It is different. The way that you step, the way that you punch. Some guys are more right-hand dominant. Some guys are more left-hand dominant. TJ Watt says he likes some of his moves better on his current side, the left side than right. I remember the late Tunchilkin saying that you know he was better on one side than the other, way that, the way that he could punch. And so, yeah, I get that. But I, I don't think if Dodson would have had played the same number of snaps at right guard, I don't think his career would have been significantly different i think he'd basically be in the same spot right now i do have a bit of the quote here from flozo adams Uh, this is on the media day in 2011 quote good lord how old was i (laughs) 2011 yeah it was a while ago uh it was a challenge i had some trouble adjusting with it and learning the scheme in the beginning but i just stuck with it i don't have the exact quote but i have written here and i remember the the phrase that he compared it to like writing with your other hand your Mm -hmm. non-dominant hand and so but i think also to, to the point that you made when you're adams and you're you know, 10 plus years in the league and then you flip, then it's even harder because you're, you're so ingrained with it for so long. That's even, it's like learning a language. The older that you are, the leader that you do it, the harder that it is to do. And so I think, you know, I know Dotson was a right guard his whole college career, but he's been a left guard for a long time now going into year four. Um, I, I don't want to necessarily say that that's the reason why he struggled. Right. And, and I'm not saying it is either, but I, I, I would be curious how, how, you know, maybe the confidence, you know, I, I wonder how it would have went, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think the issue with him has been the penalties and above the neck type stuff. And I don't think those things would have been that much different had he been a right guard his entire NFL career. And he was more of a mauler, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a run blocker. You know, coming out, you know, so. uh, But anyway, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I just have a feeling that it's going to end up with him somewhere else. You know, and I've, I've thought that all off season, but uh, I mean, is there, uh, could they do worse having an experienced guy in him as a backup? I mean, at least he's got the experience and all right. Yeah. The question is, is he the backup to the backup? Cause right. Herberg, I think is going to be your backup left and right guard. So, I mean, if Dotson, you couldn't trade him and you kept him as your eighth and ninth offensive lineman. I mean, you're okay with that. Cause if you had to turn to him, I mean, you got an experienced guy. You're probably the best ninth offensive lineman in football, but right. I think he probably is still on his way out in some form or fashion. Again, trading him for a day three pick in the summer makes the most amount of sense. I kind of envision him being on that offensive line, a starter by now, you know, moving forward into his, what, third year now? Uh, Dotson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fourth year, right? The last year of his rookie contract. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a talented guy. Like, I don't want to dog him too much. I think the guy's got talent. He's just... I said last year, he's the most frustrating player to watch, not because he's bad. That wouldn't be frustrating. It would just be he's bad, but he's so inconsistent and know how good he can be. And just some of the mental mistakes have been a a headache. I kind of envisioned when he was drafted, us getting to this point in his career and him being, you know, the starting right guard, be honest with you. Yeah, it was the right tackle of that line, Robert Hunt, that became, is he still starting? 
out there. And I think Miami, I mean, he was, it was him and Dotson were the two guys uh, playing next to each other that year. What did Hunt do last year? He's been a, a starter last year, and I don't know how well he, he played, but I think Robert Hunt's been the better uh, raging Cajun. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, anything else from OTAs? Uh, kind of, again, not a whole lot new or super interesting. Did you make anything? The um, New York Jets posting a clip on Thursday night about <laughs> their, their war room. You spotted this, and it, it would it would seem that Broderick Jones truly was not their guy. McDonald was their guy, but of course, you wouldn't expect a team site to say otherwise if they were tweeting some stuff out or having some behind-the-scenes access as the Jets did. What do you make of that situation? I mean, unless there's some crafty editing going on or whatnot, it sure makes it seem like Will McDonald was their guy. Yeah, I mean, because it's at one point, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, asked Carr, I think his name's Sean Carr, the director of college scouting, like your rankings of McDonald versus Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, and Broderick Jones, and Carr said McDonald, Mayer, Jones. And so I assume that's how they had that thing ranked. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm embarrassed to, to admit my my mind uh, immediately went to well, what would <laughs> uh, did they what would have happened had they not traded up and uh, been able to keep the keep you know keep the picks and, you know mm-hmm. uh, your mind instantly goes there, but uh, there's there's is no sense in it going there at this point, but it does make you wonder how things would have transpired had they stayed put and still got their guy. And it sounds like there's a good, I mean, cause Van Nett, what, uh, that didn't Van Ness, where, where did Van Ness go? At, at, at uh, did he go? Of- I thought he went after, but I don't know for sure in terms of where he went. Uh, so he went before, I'm sorry, 13 to, uh, green Bay. Okay. So that was with the, yeah, the pick and the Rogers deal. And who did the Patriots end up taking after moving Christian, back? Christian Gonzalez, the corner okay. from Oregon. All right, uh, you know, and odds are that they were fine with that, right? Seemed to be, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll never know for sure, but based on the video and, and the other component of that was Douglas basically predicting the Pittsburgh would trade up with New England to take Broderick Jones. He didn't seem too concerned about that. So if he really wanted Jones right. as his guy, it didn't seem like he was worried about potentially losing him, and he was well aware that someone may move up to go get Broderick Jones. Right. It didn't look like they were active trying to jump ahead to, I guess it would have been, if they couldn't have done a deal with the Patriots, they would have had to jump up to Green Bay, right? To get that pick back. That's a constant awkward conversation. But yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, again, I would not expect that to be in the uh, final <laughs> version of that had that been the case, but we'll, we'll just, I guess, take that for... Look, look, and once again, it, it's uh, shame on me for for bringing up the what, what if, and all like that. As as I've I've said countless times now, when it comes to especially trading up in the first round to get a guy, uh, if you show the conviction to go up, however much or whatnot, to get a guy, uh, go get him. Kudos to you. Yeah. Point is, Broderick Jones is a stealer. That's all that really matters, regardless of who might have taken him, how things would have looked differently. Doesn't really matter. Jones is a stealer, and that's all how we'll uh, evaluate him from now on. That should quiet the rest of that stuff that's been floating around, or, you know, unless somebody's got a tinfoil hat that matches mine, I guess. But yeah, I'm sure somebody does. But anyway, uh, one other piece of news here. You say mine's not one of a kind. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's one of a kind. There's just some other one of a kinds out there too. They're all special, specially made for each person. <laughs> made, to wear them. made to order, right? Made to order, exactly. Custom order. They're just like Chipotle. We're bringing this thing full circle. All you right. have it. You have this thing your way. All right, Dave. One last piece of information here. Pittsburgh partnering partnering with uh, Ireland. That's uh, came out in the news earlier this week, and then at a press conference uh, today. And I'm always I'm losing track of the Roonies, but but Dan Rooney, who I guess works in kind of a, a marketing type role for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he said basically to the, something to the effect of that we would love to have and aspire to have a, the Steelers play in Ireland one day. They did actually back in 97 that a preseason game, I think, against Chicago where they played in um, in Ireland. And so the uh, goal is to, to one day go back there and with this expansion in terms of really tapping that that market, maybe that happens sometime in the future. I tell you what, at this point right now, it sure feels like the Steelers are going to play a regular season game in 2024 in either Mexico or Ireland. Yeah, my, my bet's still on Mexico, but I think they're playing internationally somewhere. Yeah, I think they're playing. They, they're starting to get the seeds planted pretty good over there in Ireland for, I don't know, 26? Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously the NFL is expanding. They're not just playing in London. They're playing in, you know, at Frankfurt and expanding into Germany. So they'll probably continue that expansion. My whole takeaway from this week, once again, is the fact that I think next season they're going to be playing in one of the international games, period. Mine, uh, mine as well. Uh, now, the question is, is it a home game? It is the least thing, right, in the uh, Akersher? Yeah, but didn't Mark Rooney say, <laughs> say a couple years ago they didn't want that, that they had to have X amount? But you've also have. Didn't he uh, dispel what, what, that? I forget. Someone say that was something true? about. Yeah, but wasn't it something about a certain a number of home games? But now that they have seventeen games, I wonder if the schedule worked out. Right. Where where uh, I thought it was. Uh, it's been a long time since, uh, since we talked about this. I thought it was something along the line of stipulation of eight home games. So yeah. what if you had nine nine home games, which next year? But they only have nine this year. Nine home games this year. Is it this year? Yeah. Let me uh, check. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to have eight next year, which means right. they couldn't. If that, if that's true, they couldn't have a, an international home game because they'd only have seven that's true right. games in Pittsburgh. Right. So maybe, maybe next year would be a away game in Mexico, and then twenty six uh, home. I don't know how to rotation. <laughs> I'm yeah, too much, too much math right now. Uh, Let's get the Elise uh, requirement printed right. out of the Acrisure rules and read that off. Yeah, but I thought it would. Don't you remember it being something along those lines? Eight. Games? I do, but I remember I thought Rooney had kind of dispelled that to some degree. I, it, maybe, maybe it did. is that eight game. Maybe it is that eight game thing, and obviously seventeen games where you if you had nine home games and then you took one as an inter- international game, you're still at eight. But if that if that's true, and I'm reaching here, if that's true. Next year, they're going to have eight home games, which means they could not be the home team for an, an international game. All right. We uh, short answer is we don't know for sure. <laughs> we'll have to get the Steelers Depot research department uh, uh, on that. Uh, yes. We'll just wait till next year when they release the international games. Make, make, make sure you uh, uh, craft up the uh, inter office memo for, uh, <laughs> for, for that department. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, who do I, who do I want to, Whose life do I want to make miserable this weekend and make them research all that? Well, stay tuned. Uh, all right, Dave. Anything else to talk about? Steelers, why? Save me from this uh, conversation. All right. Uh, why don't we get to some? Uh, I don't think there's anything else. Is there, Alex? I don't. I think we didn't we get everything. Yep, I think that's good. Let's get to some reader all emails right. and close out today's show. We made USAA insurance to help you save. 
take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. All right, Jared writes in, Dave and Alex, enjoy the great content weekly from the Depot staff and appreciate all the hard work, especially during the pre-draft process. My question is regarding Coach Tomlin and the Steelers Pro Day dinners. It seems every year that we use the Pro Day dinner as a blues clues when looking at potential draft picks. It seems astonishing to me that each year at the at the big schools, the Steelers are able to get the top prospects at the big schools to break bread with Coach T., uh, and he has in parentheses, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Uh, do you feel this is because of networking that Tomlin has built with those big programs over his 15 plus years? Or is it or is this or, or that this is something the Steelers prioritize over other franchises and other teams and using this as a tool and evaluation uh, with only the night before and, uh, and, and night of the pro days, that's two available dinners and the Steelers seem to always get the guys they to, to break bread with regardless, kudos to them to take advantage, dig deeper with evaluating guys and getting them off uh, maybe their comfort zone and finding out more about the person uh, on top of the players. Yeah. And uh, uh, look, I, I think I think this is a twofold, and I think Omar Khan even kind of addressed mm-hmm. this to some degree, saying, "Look, you know, you 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 uh, you better you better probably start phoning early for starters, and sometimes maybe you only get a cup of coffee, you know, uh, right. or, or or a dessert or or, or or something with these. But w- the reason I say probably twofold too is." You know, unless these guys do have hard, hard, hard dates, and and I imagine those dates do fill out, fill out, and obviously the Steers aren't the only ones that 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 do the dinner cir- uh, circuit like that. Uh, I'm sure when it's Coach Tomlin calling or his assistant, or whoever, I'm sure it's it's easy to get those booked if the dates are open, if that makes sense. And then the rest of it is probably a timing thing of uh, can can we get you for uh, you know, a deserted restaurant t- type of thing. You said it well, Dave. I agree 100%. I think it's probably all the above. A, Pittsburgh prioritizes, they care about it, and so they're more incentivized to focus on these things and not, uh, you know, be late to the party. B, as you said, apparently the way that it kind of works is you have to basically sign up for, for time slots, and it's kind of a first come, first serve, and condemnated. They don't always get to talk to guys, but it seems like they get to most, you know, most of the time, the big names at least, and then C, I think a con as mentioned as well, sometimes you're getting an appetizer. Sometimes you're getting to actually sit down and have dinner. So often on these pro day dinners, a guy will have, he could have three in one night and, and have an appetizer with one. Sign team. me up. <laughs> yeah. Dave, you're going to start training for the combine next year. We're running some forties next year. Uh, I'll see you. I'm actually there, watching my weight now. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry all the time right now. Yeah. Um, but so it, it's not uncommon for some of those you know top prospects to, to you know bounce around and kind of speed date, so to speak, um, 20 minutes here, an hour here, 30 minutes here. And so it's not always where you get one night with uh, with one prospect. But yeah, I think Pittsburgh certainly cares about this. They certainly value it. The correlation between first round picks and pro day dinners and pro day attendance is, is ironclad and continues on their own work on. And so it's something Pittsburgh really actively you know searches out for. 
Jared, good question. Uh, and we enjoy the, you know, what out of tracking it too. Uh, mm-hmm. and it is a big part of, uh, the blues clues. Heck we were able to rattle off, uh, uh, from, from our, you know, stuff on the site from years ago. Uh, I, I'd even forgotten this. So I'm glad I, I can, I can go back to it on the site that, you know, they, they had dinner with, uh, uh supposedly Shane Ray and Marcus golden way back in, was that 15? 15. Yeah. A long time ago. Good. We've been at this a long time. Uh, thanks mm-hmm. Jared. Uh, Chris Lookart writes out, uh, without comparing Kenny to Ben, would you consider Kenny's rookie season a su- successful one? Uh, look, uh, I, I just think successful. I mean, like they won games in the second half of the season there. He cut down on the interceptions, uh, uh, just you know, he it it, it 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 didn't look overly too big for him. Overall, heck, they almost got in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, was it is it was it was it Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season? No, but I mean, different different offense asking you know, and and Ben obviously they found out real quick that guy could uh, make Ben plays. You know, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Oh, good job, good play. <laughs> you know, and look, I mean, uh, Kenny at the at the end of the in, end of the season. Uh, had a couple of those in his resume, had a couple of what they call either, you know, uh, uh, fourth quarter wins or, 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 or comebacks in there. So I, I think to not, you know, just as Chris says, to not compare Kenny to Ben specifically, would you consider Kenny's rookie season a successful one? I would say yes. I would agree. And I, I use one word to judge that progression. Did mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett, you know, progress his game throughout the year and undeniably it was a tough start and you saw him and this offense get better. And so that's encouraging the way that you ended the year with three wins in the final three games, come from behind game winning drives, big time moments, Christmas Eve against the Raiders on the road against Baltimore. You talk about games that define you as players, what you do against Baltimore, especially in their place that defines how you're viewed as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And so that's certainly a really encouraging note to go out on. Is it perfect or no? Are there things to work on? Absolutely. Can can he pick it, get a lot better? He can, he should, he needs to. This team has to have it. But yeah, I saw progress. And now comparing it to Ben, I mean, different teams. That was a veteran team, Super Bowl contending type team. You know, Steelers offense was the youngest offense in football last year. There's different situations you're walking into. So there's really no comparison. But yeah, I would say the picket season was a success for where he was at last year. How's your study coming along on that from every, uh, from, from taking a, off, a deep off season mm-hmm. di- uh, dive on him? Yeah, I'm up around the bye week. And so I really can't wait to get into the second half of the year to kind of see some of that progression. So it kind of comes and goes based on time, but it's, it's been busy. Like I said, Marcon has kept us so busy this year, but uh, yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll have that done at some point. I don't know, within a month or so. All right, uh, Dave Ricards writes in, uh, felt last year that Mitch went to DJ more than Pickens, and the opposite was true for 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 Kenny. I chalked that up to chem- chemistry developed early in the offseason since the tendencies lined up with the teams each quarterback was uh, running with uh, in camp. Do you think this year's added time for Kenny and DJ to build chemistry will help to bring DJ back to uh, uh, wide receiver one numbers. Thanks to both of you and the rest of the crew. Truly awesome coverage. P.S. I was teased by a co-worker for bringing up arm length again regarding pass rushers and the signing of Marcus Golden today. It was a proud moment uh, <laughs> uh, there. Look, here's the thing about this team in short arms that, you know, uh, once you want, uh, 
you know, they they have no problem after the fact that the guy's been around has proved that they can do it to 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 go out and sign a guy uh, like that. You know, it it is interesting. From now, look the 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 fit with uh, Herbig there was a fit on on many levels there. Uh, obviously, the connection you know coming out of a good program in Wisconsin and didn't TJ something uh, say something to the uh, effect today about how it's it's kind of what do you say cook do you say cookie cutter or I, I forget how he phrased it but a lot of what Wisconsin does uh, tra- on defensive side of football translates real well. To uh, what the Steelers do, so that makes mm-hmm. the process uh, of evaluation because you've seen a guy do right. what you are going to ask him to do. Uh, that makes you know part part of the the process a lot easier, or the evaluation uh, a, a lot easier there. Now you know from and look, uh, might might uh, uh, Nick Herbig become the next Marcus Golden or or uh, uh, Van, Noy. Van Noy? Yeah. I mean. Nothing says that he can't, right? It's just you look at overall. Uh, you know, he's he's an outlier, uh, and he he would have to he would have to be in the conversations three or four years from, or two three four years from now. Being well, you know what? This is the next Van Noy, the next Marcus uh, uh, Marcus Golden, because there's that few of guys that have actually been able to do that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. So you know. And we we obviously look at the historical and 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 you know things the Steelers have done in the past and all like that. But uh, uh, and you know you go out and sign a guy with like Golden has got the shorter arms there. Back to the uh, Kenny and the uh, DJ. Look, you would hope that uh, having more time uh, with 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 that top receiving crew will pay dividends for all of them, you know, and just. Uh, you know, the whole off season and, and not being new and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and look, you're going to hear the same thing out of our mouths all off season. Got to Got to get the ball to these guys. However you, uh, out in space there, we got to see a lot less comebacks and curls to, to, uh, to, to, uh, Deontay and, and, and Pickens. You got to get, you, you can't expect those guys to have, an average of 4.1 yards after the catch by catching out routes and, and, and curls and comebacks, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's a lot of layers to that question. There, there are different components. I think a scheme had a lot to do with Deontay's numbers being stunted, his own plays, own issues was another part to it. And I think early in the year, the offense was even more rigid. You saw more sprint outs. Those kind of went away the middle half of the year, they kind of returned late in the season, but I think the offense was really, really rigid and static early in the year. And it kind of got a bit better as the year went along. I was a little less angry watching it. Yeah. I, I think certainly Mitch being with Deontay his first team guys helps a little bit. Although Deontay, he didn't really do much in the spring. He missed part of training camp and he got the contract done, then got hurt. And then he really didn't participate a whole lot. I think George Pickens being a raw guy, he progresses the year went along. So he just became a more involved guy in the offense and week 15, a better, more complete receiver by then as compared to where he was in week one, week two. So all that is to say there's a lot of variables that go into play, but sure, I think Pickett, first team, full offseason, Deontay there, full offseason working, Pickens working, everybody's better for that. 
Yeah, and look, he even titled this email chemistry, and and I think it starts and stops right there. I mean, uh, you want these guys to remain on the field all all off season. We just you know earlier in the show we talked about the defense and all those uh, uh, new parts and all like that. You know, the the worst thing that you can you know injuries are obviously always tough to overcome, but especially when you got that many new guys on defense and uh, you know, you got a couple new offensive linemen and you got a, a quarterback taking over the reins and all like that. Uh, you want as much chemistry as you can possibly get throughout the off season here. So hopefully yeah. those guys stay healthy. Can can I ask you one question? And it's probably an obvious one that you're going to go, go duh and, and say you're, this is a silly question to ask, but even given all the roster improvements made this year, does this picket, uh, given the answer the way, does this uh, season come down to Kenny Pickett and his progression? Like if he makes a jump, this team's good. If they don't make a jump, the other additions really aren't going to matter that much. Well, I'll say this first and foremost. I think Kenny will be a better quarterback overall. I'm expecting some sort of jump. I think that jump can be even greater if they can come out and play that bully ball. Right. But my, I, I agree. He will be better. The question is how much better will he be? And because basically the jump that he takes determines how much better this team is overall is basically what I'm trying to, to question. And, yeah. Unless, unless the defense is the 2008, right. you know, uh, right. uh, but I, I think there are, are, are degrees to, you know, I don't, I, you don't want to get in these first couple of games and him having to th- throw the ball 40 times. I don't think. You know, of course, of course. Uh, now, if he has to do that, and they, they, and he, and he su- succeeds uh, drastically, and and you win games, we go, oh man, good, good, three comeback wins. You know, uh, fourth quarter game winning, winning drive. You know, they might really be onto something here. You know, but uh, uh, I, I think you're looking at probably different degrees. I, I, I think his jump can be even great. I expect a jump. I think that jump can be even bigger if they accomplish some of the things that I think that they want to do early in the game. I, I don't know if that answers it the way you want it answered. No, I think it does. It's, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm expecting a jump. I just right. think there's there's going to be variables into that as far as the degree of it. Sure. I know I'm oversimplifying things a bit. Obviously, the identity, the run game, ball control, those things all have value. But they need to score more than 18 points a damn game. I'll tell you that. They do. They do. But I guess my, my thought is if you had to answer, if you had to fill in the blank of this season, the Steelers 2023 season will be defined by blank. That's the old what a uh, match game thing. I would say it's defined by the jump Kenny Pickett does or does not make. OK, yeah. And, and to what degree? I mean, because obviously if he makes a right. huge jump, they, they should be right in this thing. Exactly. Yeah. So certainly we expect them to be better. How much better basically determines because again, it's, it's a quarterback driven league. They're in an AFC North with you know, first round, you know, quarterbacks that have been peak guys at, at their best AFC, you know, loaded with top quarterbacks, obviously better defense, better run game, better O line, all those things help your quarterback, help your team overall. But it really just to me comes down to how much better does Kenny Pickett get? I think ideally in my head, uh, things going well includes Kenny dropping back maybe at max 30 times a game and, and, and to, 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 to start the season them running the ball real well, them, uh, 65% red zone or greater efficiency, uh, you know, obviously not turning the football over and, and being on the right side of a lot of one score ball games. I agree. But I also would say, and these are again, kind of obvious duh statements, but 
Kenny Pickett's going to have to make plays and the Steelers will have to let Kenny Pickett make plays and not be so ball control where they don't let their franchise or their first round supposed hopeful franchise quarterback get to really show what he can do. You know, what's the narrative there? If, if they, the narrative should be somebody needs to be canned immediately. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they can't come out and run that football early, you know? Yeah, it's going to be a, yeah, that's, that's what they're basing this. And whole they put, and they of. put too much on Kenny, you know, to, they expect him to do too much. Right. I mean, the whole goal of the off season is to be more balanced, to be run first because B- Pittsburgh's calculation is, and I made this point before, we're not going to win the game 35, 31. We're not going to go into a shootout against Patrick Mahomes, no matter how good Kenny Pickett gets and expect Pickett to go literally toe for toe with this guy. So our best, defense against Mahomes is keeping him on the sideline and not even because last time you put the the Steelers defense against Mahomes he lit you up for you know 40 plus points in like back-to-back games in the regular season and playoffs and so the more we can keep that guy off the field that's the best way to ensure he can't score and that's the that's the framework in which Pittsburgh's building their entire offseason behind you know in my in my head I'm thinking uh a great game for Kenny early on in the season is uh uh 69 to 70% completion percentage, uh, uh, 20, 20, 24 attempts. <laughs> okay. You're going like uh, real 2005 uh, on me. Oh, four or five. Uh, right uh, or 2000, what? 10, right? What uh, was it? 10 or 11 that, uh, they, they did tried to, that, that little did, back then. Did, didn't they try to back off a little bit on, on Ben back then? Well, pull that up. Let's see. Let's play test Dave's memory. Well, and Ben in 2010, he only started 12 games. He threw the ball 389 times. That's an average of 32.4 attempts per game. What year was that? 2010. What about 11? 11, 513 attempts in 15 games played, 15 starts. That's 34.2. So number one up about two passes per game. Okay. Did he have any games where he had to really throw it a bunch of times in? In 2010 or 2011, I mean, is there or is there I, what do they call that a mean? Is there uh, you know, the average of it? I, mean, I just gave you the average, not, the not, not the average, but what what seemed to be kind of kind of the majority of times. You know, was were there a couple of games in there that he obviously had to throw like 48, 50 times? Yeah, some that skewed the numbers. Yeah, yeah there was a in 2011. There was a 50 attempt game. There was a 44, 41, 40 at four games, 40 plus attempts. He had three games with fewer than 25 pass attempts. So, all right, maybe I to- maybe maybe I am thinking more of the the uh, the earlier uh, years there, but uh, uh, in my head, I'm envisioning I don't know 28 pass attempts being perfect and. 60 to 68, 70% completion percentage, 269 yards, two touchdowns, no, no interceptions, you know, nothing that's going to win you any fantasy championships, maybe, but, uh, uh, things that, uh, work for winning ball games. Yeah. And I think that's obviously ideal because that means your run game's working well, you're sitting on leads, you're not playing from behind. So if you, if you told me that was the, the stat line, sign me up because I think the circumstantial evidence is things are probably going really well overall. But I, I just don't want them to think that they, they can't trust Pickett to make some plays because why make him your first round pick? Why make him the first quarterback taken in the 2022 NFL draft? So obviously, you know, run first, that's going to be a, 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 a sticking point, but let make sure you know, the training wheels have to come off of Kenny Pickett. He's got to be able to hot rise. Got to be able to throw the ball deep. You got to get those explosive plays that I know you love so much. And uh, th- those things still have to happen. All right. Let's uh, see if we can get uh, one more in here. Shane glass. Hey, gents thinking back to fire comments about Washington, taking the load off the blocking. Do you see them potentially 
getting creative to get both of them on the field. For example, what are the odds we see them, the team use Firemuth as a, a big slot, 11 personnel with Washington in line. That might get them some mismatches for Firemuth, forcing teams to respect the run since Washington is basically uh, his own heavy formation as a six offensive. Look, I mean, I, 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 hope, I hope we see a bunch of mix and matching with that. And, you know, I go back to the old, you know, the way the Patriots like to do uh, some things uh, with uh, uh, being able to, to, and, you know, Kenny should know enough now that uh, you'd be able to, you know, audible out and collapse something down and check with something else, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a possibility that, that uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a heavy usage of it and all, but I mean, I think you're going to see Frymuth and, and Washington on the field together. And uh, based on maybe what the defense rolls out there, they do, they do put uh, uh, uh detached. Yeah, they will. I mean, a 12 personnel is easy to do. They're going to use that a lot. They've used that plenty in the past. And so they're going to use it certainly after drafting Washington. I think you saw later last year, Frymuth, you know, stood up more, played more in the slot, backside nub, three by one. He's isolated backside. They had some, you know, concepts designed for him that way. So yeah, you're going to see that. If I, if I could just go back to my, my thought on the Steagles philosophy, just real quickly, one last time in this episode. My my thought is Pittsburgh wants to be the 49ers. That's their model in their head. The 49ers are successful with this really strong defense, good run game, and creative scheme. Enter Matt Canada joke here. My worry is the Steelers shoot for the 49ers. They become the Titans, where they're a run game. They're run first, you know, decent quarterback. Pittsburgh's defense, probably better than Tennessee's defense. But point is, like, they're just, you know, a competitive team. They're in the hunt. They got a good coach. Players love them, but they're never really getting over that AFC hump of like the big play pass game. Well, the thing about the Titans though, too, is Derek Henry could rip off an 89 yard run for you. Right. They had a bit more of an explosive run game, but point they got like, you know, a solid run game, big back power back power football. Like that's how the Titans are built. And they're kind of in that purgatory of, yeah, we're a wild card ish type team. And my concern is that's where Pittsburgh ends up. Hopefully it's 49ers, but they may, it's like the old, uh, Reach for the stars, you might land on the moon. Reach for the 49ers, you might land on the Titans. And do you really want to be the Titans? Eh, not really. And look, and, and they, they've mentioned this. Pickens mentioned this the other, other day. You know, it all starts on first down, right? So they, they've got to get in a lot of very favorable second down situations this year. Or new first downs. Yeah. they've <laughs> on, been, on first down. Yeah, I think they're, uh, what, two years ago, they were 31st in first down yardage. I think this past year, they were like... 26th or something they you know they went up like four tenths of a yard but numbers still got to be better than that those three yard first down carries by Najee need to become six yards yeah and that's why they're trying to get the power run game with say malu and you know some of those big guys up front that can push the pile because yeah you got to do more than three yards in a cloud of dust shane look i'm excited you don't have to you don't have to twist my arm to to, to talk about having two tight ends on the field yeah, you're going to see it. You're going to see those guys. You know, we've talked about Big Empty. We've talked about you know splitting Frymuth out. They can align tight. I mean, you can do a ton of things. So they should be able to effectively mix and match personnel this year. All right, I'll live. One more. Joe Watts writes in, hey, guys, you're my second favorite p- favorite podcast. My wife is a podcaster, so she's number one. All right. Uh, uh-huh. That'll keep that household safe over there, <laughs> Joe. Uh, say it's tenfold hat time. All right. Where is it? Let's see here. Do you think it's impossible that Omar brought in all those guards during the pre-draft visits just to throw off the jets off a little bit since everyone was talking up the, 
the Steelers tackle, a tackling a tackle, perhaps getting inside the Jets' head so that they would not compete with the Steelers in trade-up opportunities. Does that make sense? He says if they thought we were maybe going the guard route, the Jets would be less susceptible to get nervous and try to jump. Just a thought. There must be some reason. Well, Joe, unfortunately for you, you sent this on Wednesday, May 24th at uh, 12.04. So you were handicapped by timing here. Uh, and we, we do not hold that against you. Uh, we just talked about earlier. It, it's, I always, I sign me up to watch any of those videos, right? Alex, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what goes on behind closed doors in, 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 in the draft room there, Joe, uh, you know, I, uh, everything we talked about early in this podcast, I think, you have your answer there. And I, I honest, and I, uh, who, who Joe, what's their GM's name? Uh, Joe Douglas. Yeah. Joe Douglas. Uh, he, he knew what they were going to do, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and even before the draft, (laughs) what sold it for me to finally make Broderick Jones in one way, shape or form, uh, the Steelers, uh, pick in in my final mock draft is I just kept staring at the fact that they had three tackles under contract at the time. Uh, and one of them was LaRaven Clark. <laughs> so uh, two tackles under contract. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you kept staring at that. And, you know, if they wanted to hide it better, they would have added two more street free agent tackles. You know, I, I don't think they give a damn about it you know uh really overall i you know they don't i don't think they care who who thinks that they're gonna do what yeah they don't care and nor should they care don't cut off your nose to spite your face you know don't hurt your own process because the draft is hard man it is hard to get this stuff right half the half the league's gonna get this these picks wrong in the first round this year that's what happens every single year hopefully pittsburgh's not one of those teams statistically they're most more often than not that they get the first round pick right, but not always. And so you better do your homework. You better find out who these people are, especially in the underclass of one year starter like Broderick Jones. It's not like he's a four year guy. We've uh, been watching this guy for the last two years, waiting for this guy to become draft eligible or declare or whatever. And so um, you better do your homework. And yeah, Pittsburgh, yeah, you go to his pro day, you have dinner with him, you bring him in for a visit, the big, big flashing lights about who you had interest in. So Pittsburgh, the guards they looked at were more day two type of guys, 32 overall type of guys. I don't think it would have thrown the Jets off the scent. And obviously, based on this video the Jets just released, they really didn't seem to be too uh, too thrown off the, the and trail. And Joe, Doug, Joe Douglas obviously knows to go to Steelers Depot to get the 411. Yes. On, that wasn't the on, video, correct? He was searching Steelers Depot. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't find that. They probably cut uh, that. They cut that out. Yeah, yeah they can't have pro yeah. Steelers. Stuff. What are some other good? The Colts uh, behind the scenes was excellent. The, the Chris Ballard uh, look behind. The Dallas are, one. Was Dallas good? The, the they have one, a full video? I don't know if it was a full video or not, but they, they you know, they, they got into the situation about taking, uh, 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 the Michigan kid there. Oh yeah. And then they had the Deuce Vaughn where his dad right. called him, but they, they didn't do like a whole video because this Jets video seems to be pretty in depth. Yeah. I I've seen a few of them and I can't, okay. I can't, I can't remember all the lines to the lions do one. Or they just maybe showed some clips of the lions. Yeah. Room. But the Colts one was really. But good. look, and also, if you're a good general manager, you you do figure out and know that yeah, the Steelers probably going to trade up here for Bro- Broderick Jones. So so good on him, you know, uh, on, on, on that. But I think overall, the Steelers have a plan to get you know a certain amount of because look, as we we are, I guarantee you, 
uh, was it four years from now, uh, five years from now, uh, we're going to be back talking about one or two of these guys that they, they brought in for a visit or were at the pro day or something like that. Cause that's the way they work. Let's call our shot. Let's do it right now. Who do you think of the pro day visits? Oh, that's let me, let me pull up the pull, list pull, here. Pull yeah. up here. Let me see if I can, um, Oh, where do we have this? This is on the uh, this is sticky to the side. This is right? this is yeah. next level. Uh, yeah. if we hit one of these, you know what I mean, <laughs> where, where do we have the uh, ah, what's the title of our visit post? Is, is it a tracker? Yeah, it's a tracker, uh, pre draft visit tracker. I pulled it up before you did. Yeah, I know uh, how about that. I'm, I, I'm I really did turn 30, I'm getting old. Uh, let's see here. You had to guess one name that becomes a stealer in when these guys become free agents, we'll call it four years from now. All right, I've got. Let's see. Play the Jeopardy music. I, I, ding, ding, ding. Mm. I've got one in my head. I'm trying. Let me just kind of look over the list. You beat me to uh to get into it first. Uh, all right, I got one too. We might be. We might. I think we might have the same here. All right. Want to say uh, it on three? Uh, one. Uh, we'll say on three, not one, two, three, and then <laughs> say it, but on three. Okay. One, two. Three, Brian John Michael Brzee. Schmitz. Oh, okay. John Michael Schmitz. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I went Brian Brzee. Okay. Okay, yeah, any reason that. for Schmitz? Just, uh, just I, you know, you know how centers are sometimes, you know? Yeah, is he a bit older, though? Isn't he a bit yeah, older? Yeah, he's a little bit older, but I mean, I, 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 I could probably see it. Yeah. Okay. I think Brzee's going to be, what, 25, 26, whenever he's on a second contract. I could see that. Let's see. Who else on here might... Uh, Circle back if it, if it's if it's let's see. Although Brzee's a first round pick, so this little fifth year option thing yeah. to consider. But I assume in this scenario, maybe it doesn't work out. His option gets declined. That's a thing Pittsburgh, I think, would gravitate towards. Could a Daniel? Where did Daniel Scott end up going? He went later. He went later than I thought. I think because he's like twenty five. He's an older prospect. Yeah. Uh, but where did he go? Uh, the Colts. He's in Indy. Could Carl, Carl, could Carl Brooks end up being a guy like? Uh, uh, not get re-upped and become an unrestricted free agent that, that that catches their eye. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense. I mean, Hey, you know, Cam Hayward might not probably won't, isn't a stealer four years from now. So looking for his replacement will be a conversation maybe around that time. All right. So there's I I don't know, Ch- Ch- you know, Chandler Zavalia might be an interesting one. I thought about that one too. Yeah. That's a good one. You know what? That might be the best selection out of all of them right there. Yeah, he's got that back issue. He's the only concern about the injury. Steve Avelia, I think, would be a big power. Probably going to be a good power blocker four years from now. Anyway, but. All right. That's a fun exercise. Uh, All right. Uh, I think we got through the emails here. I think we've run long enough. We filled up a lot of time today uh, somehow. All right. uh, Anything else? We'll be back on Monday, right? Yeah. As much as I loathe talking about the topic, you're going to watch AB play some football for the Albany Umpire on uh, Saturday night? You can find however I, you find those games. I have no idea how. I would guess that I can pay per view that through really through their Albany Firebirds a, website. Do they air uh, games live? I think you can buy my, you know those minor league games. Uh, okay, hold on I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure somebody might be streaming it on I don't Facebook, know why, Instagram Live someday. I don't know why I would, but I am intrigued. Uh, and and uh, what Roland Rivers is the quarterback, a uh, former. Steelers rookie minicamp tryout, local kid. Yeah, I don't know. A- ask me on Monday. We'll uh, write about it, I'm sure. Yeah. At least it's uh, at least it's football related with AB. If it's football related, I can tolerate writing AB type stuff. 
All right. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show. Did I just say that? Uh, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, uh, if we're your second favorite website next to your uh, wife's, then uh, help out the cause, studentsdepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, studentsdepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar. This has been fun, Alex. I'll talk to you on Monday. As always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. I love Mondays. And yes, I'm being 100% serious. Why? It's because I'm a Dunkin' Rewards member. And Mondays are better with Dunkin' Rewards. Every Monday this month, Rewards members get a free medium hot or iced coffee with any purchase. Not a member? Join on the Dunkin' app and never miss a deal like this. Dunkin' Rewards. Save them, stack them, use them how you want. America runs on Dunkin'. Limit one per member per Monday. Additional charges and terms may apply. Participation may vary. Limited time offer.